RadioInfluence.com to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10-12-60 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Hey, if you want to reach out to us, please do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crushperformance is the email. Questions, comments, smart remarks, let us have them. We answer every single message we get. Or if you have a topic or something you'd like us to investigate, let us know. We may dedicate a segment, an entire episode, or we may create a series around your idea. We've done it before and we're bound to do it again. Or maybe you just need some help with something, let us know. If we don't have the answer, we're going to work our hardest to find the answer. Maybe you're stuck in a plateau. Maybe you're having trouble breaking through a barrier. Maybe you have issues with your athletes, with your kids. Maybe you're starting a new sport. I'm not sure. Maybe it's nutrition. Maybe it's the mental game. Maybe you need to be connected with a professional somewhere. Maybe you're just not sure what to do. And wherever you're at, whatever sport you're playing. And uh, maybe we can help. I can tell you this. If we don't have that answer... We know somebody somewhere that does have that answer and we'll work with you to find them for sure. So anyway, that's it, everybody. That's what it's all about. All right, let's get down to the business at hand, the Crush Brain Game. Today is the final episode in this incredible series that we've had. We set out to dig down deep to get a better understanding of what exactly brain performance is all about, what we've been able to do in terms of training and influencing brain performance and what we're about to be able to do. We know that probably the greatest potential for pushing human performance forward lies within the brain, our understanding of the brain, and our ability to train the brain. And there is new technology out there that is allowing us to train, understand, map, and influence the brain and brain performance like never before in the history of mankind. And we are starting to see the results of that especially in the world of sport and sport performance. Trust me, the implications go well beyond sport here. Pretty much anywhere people are putting in an effort to get better and do something and accomplish a task, there are implications for this new technology and brain training. Think about anxiety and depression. Think about different areas of performance. Think about uh, your workplace. Think about our first responders, our military. Think about our police, our firemen. There are so many applications for this type of training. And just like in sport, we've only scratched the surface. We are on the front of a massive wave that is going to be pushing human performance forward. And that all revolves around the new technology that's allowing us to better understand, train, monitor, and influence the brain and brain performance. You know, in our programs, we say to every single athlete, team, and organization that we start working with, a problem accurately defined is already partially solved. In order to truly solve a problem, 
the first step has to be get a good understanding of that problem. You know, Abraham Lincoln, we say this all the time, a great quote from Abraham Lincoln. If I had six hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first four sharpening the ax. Well, that's kind of what's happened here and this new technology that's coming around. We've spent a lot of time in many, many years, hundreds of years, working on psychology, the mental game. People have been trying to dig down deep to better understand the brain and the mind, that mind brain connection, the brain body connection, and better understand it. And up until recently, uh, we've only been able to go so far. But as I mentioned, there is new technologies that have arrived that are allowing us to do things, man, that we've just never been able to do before. And that comes from problem solving. So I'm really excited about today's show. We're going to talk with Lawrence Klein, the co-founder of Thought Technology and He's the vice chairman of the board there. Thought Technology was founded in 1975, and it's one of the world's leading biofeedback, neurofeedback, and psychophysiological instrument manufacturers. These guys are solving problems, and they're about to announce some great new initiatives that I think are really going to help us push human performance forward. Stand by for that. We'll talk about that later in the show, but I'm really excited to talk to Lawrence, and you know, I got to thank Lawrence right now. From the first time we uh, touched the base, as we were putting together this series, uh, Lawrence was actually one of the first people that we called. And the minute I talked to him, I knew we had run into, again, one of those great special people that the show has just connected us with. Over the years, if you think about all the guests we've had on this show, all the incredible people we've been able to connect with, including you guys, our listeners, for sure. The feedback you guys have provided, the interactions, the emails have just been tremendous. But all of these incredible people who are out there trying to just raise the bar, trying to make things better, trying to help us get a better understanding and tap into our potential. Oh, man. But you know when you, when you, uh, when you come across these special people, boom, there's a connection. And you know we could feel it right away. Uh, the passion that uh, we both share for you know, helping people, pushing human performance forward, our passion for sport. We've had so many great, great contacts. And I have to thank Lawrence because right from day one, he was excited about the series. And he was also very excited about introducing us to his network of experts. And some of those experts, of course, were on the show, part of this series to help us get a better understanding of, you know, where we're at in terms of brain performance, what brain performance and the mental game is all about and where we're going. Well, today is going to be a great conversation. We're going to look back to where thought technology has come from, why they do what they do. And we're going to go through their timeline. If you go to their website, thoughttechnology.com, uh, right on the front page there, they're rebuilding their website, by the way. So there's some cool new stuff coming. But if you get to their website, um, they've got a timeline on there. And just look at some of the major events they've been part of. And you'll get an appreciation for where that company has come from and why they're one of the world leaders when it comes to technology in the brain game. And, and keep in mind, this is sport is just one small piece of the picture. There's medical implications here, certainly human performance implications in all different facets of life and in all different areas of performance. But the brain holds such great potential because we're just starting to tap into it right now. We're just starting to really understand what it's all about. And then, of course, once you get all that done, the biofeedback, the heart rate variability, the, the neurofeedback, skin conductance, all of these things that, that thought technology 
and these great researchers are, are working on has opened up just new avenues of thought when it comes to how we address influence and increase human performance. The cool thing is a lot of this stuff has been tested in the real world, in the trenches. Heck, I've had some of my athletes using these techniques and these technologies, and I've actually done it on myself. There's very few things we ask our athletes to do that we don't go out and experience ourselves, right? And that's really, really important because it helps give us a perspective as to how we can work it in, when we can work it in, when is it right to work it into the performance puzzle. And that's kind of what the brain game series is all about. We're trying to establish, is the brain one of the top priorities in human performance? We have in our model, the idea of the foundations of development, all the areas that constitute human performance. We could talk about strength, speed, agility, movement, rehab, injury prevention, nutrition, vision, sports psychology, the brain game. And inside of our models, we have four top priorities. And now understand, these priorities are things that we address right off the bat. We strongly feel that if these four priorities aren't taken care of, you're really, really going to have a tough time tapping into your true potential. So right now, the way it stands, again, for our listeners who, who listen to the show, you guys can actually probably come on the show and, and talk about this as, as well as we can because we've just been talking about it so much. But for our new listeners out there, we have four main priorities and they're written in stone up until now and they're in this particular order. Priority number one, when we set our athletes, teams, and organizations up for performance, when we're setting up their performance programming, sleep, rest, and recovery is number one, and sleep is king. Sleep is the number one priority in maximizing human performance. The body works in this incredible 24-hour cycle, and if you can put these 24-hour cycles together and try to get the most out of each one over each phase of training, as you go through your seasons, in-season, pre-season, off-season, post-season, you can really put together these little bite-sized chunks of performance that you can manipulate and change day-to-day, season-to-season, phase-to-phase to help you really truly work through your developmental timeline. But it starts on a day-to-day attack, and your day-to-day attack has to begin with sleep. Now, every program that we build is built around the amount and the quality of rest our athletes can get in any 24-hour period, in any 48-hour period, in any one-week, one-month period, and we reverse engineer it. So we don't just start piling stuff on. So we have a competitive schedule, let's say, and it's in a grueling competitive schedule. You can't just start piling on work in practice. You can't just start piling on work in the weight room. See, the body has this incredible capacity to perform work, and What's typically happening out there is we take advantage of that and we just start piling it on. But what's not considered is the amount of time that body needs to recover from the work, from the volume of work, from the intensity of work, and from the type of work that it's doing. Sitting watching video for four or five hours is incredibly fatiguing. Going to the weight room and busting out a pure powerlifting program is also incredibly fatiguing, but in a different way. You still need to recover from a video session and you need to recover from a powerlifting session, but you need to recover in different ways. And each of those probably require different periods of recovery. And so we have all of these factors that come into play 
when we talk about the recovery time. And that's why it has to be number one. One of the reasons I feel we're seeing so many injuries and the massive increase in injuries at every single level of sport, grassroots right up to our pro guys, is simply because we're not balancing this act. We're getting better now because we're talking about it, but we're still not doing it justice, especially in the developmental ages, okay, where we're trying to overschedule. We're trying to specialize early. There's lots of conversations going on there. But priority number one, if we take care of business, you're going to have more success, period. Sleep, rest, and recovery. Number two, very close number two, but number two, nutrition, hydration. Number three, posture, range of motion around your joint. How do you function? Are you balanced and functioning properly? And then for sport. Okay, for sport, we, in our programs, start focusing on movement. We like to create incredible movers so the coaches can go out and create incredible players. See, most coaches are very, very limited in what they can do with a player or an athlete based on their athletic abilities. And through the periods of development from, you know, the time a person's a toddler up to the time they're a world-class Olympic professional athlete, there are very unique periods of development through the timeline of an athlete's growth that need to be taken care of. And again, we're mismanaging that in unbelievably brutal ways. And we're seeing the results of that right now. Incredible dropout, the highest dropout rates we've ever seen in youth sport, the highest number of injuries and the injury rates, surgeries that we've ever seen in sport, mismanagement, mismanagement, mismanagement. And that's why our priorities are the way they are. And of course, number four being movement, Okay, once those four are taken care of, now we could start addressing the technical tactical side of the game and we could start addressing the individual needs of that athlete outside of those four. And so the series is all about should the brain and everything that encompasses personality, the mind, the mental side of sport performance, should the brain game be one of these top priorities? And I think we've established that over, over the last few weeks here. I think we kind of knew what the answer was going to be going in. But boy, oh boy, is it ever clear now that the brain should be one of the first things we address if we're truly going to help our athletes, our employees, our students, our children tap into their potential. You have to have a good mind state. And that's going to influence your sleep. That's going to influence your ability to work and do work and perform. It's going to, heck, it's going to influence your appetite. So I think we've come to the consensus that the brain should be one of these top priorities in human performance. The question now becomes, where does it lie in the new top five? Is it number one? Does it come before sleep? Does it come after sleep? Is it one of those things that you address on an individual basis once you get everything rolling? And then maybe most importantly, we have to decide what exactly do we address when it comes to the brain game, the mental side of sport performance. Is it mindfulness? Should everybody be doing a brain mapping? Well, listen, you know, if you go to any collegiate, professional, Olympic training camp, there's going to be an entry physical where we break down and analyze each and every athlete in as many ways as possible so we can determine where they're currently at and what we need to do to help them aspire to new levels. So that being said, do we need to do a brain map, get a baseline, so to speak, get a good understanding of where that athlete is at from the brain perspective, the mental side of sport performance, the mind. There's so many factors involved with this. Maybe that's the next question we need to ask. 
And then, of course, we need to establish what this first interaction with the brain is going to look like. What exactly are we going to measure? What do we hope to get out of it? What do we need to do on this side of the performance pie to set our athletes up for success, set our people up for success, our employees, our students, our children up for success? Whole fascinating stuff. And then what tools do we use? Well, I'm telling you right now, there are some incredible tools out there right now that have never been available before that are allowing us to do things that we could only dream of in recent times. And thought technology is a big, big part of pushing that side of human performance forward. So listen, coming up after the break, we're going to talk with Lawrence Klein, co-founder of Thought Technology and vice chairman of the board about the history of Thought Technology, which is one of the world's leading biofeedback, neurofeedback, and psychophysiological instrument companies. We'll talk about their history, we'll go through their timeline, and we're going to try to get a look behind the curtains and find out what's next on the forefront of the brain game from Thought Technology. I can't wait for this one. Lawrence Klein coming up next on Crush Performance. This is Crush Performance. If you have questions, comments, or smart remarks, write to us at crushperformance.com. And welcome back, everybody. All right, we are heading into our final episode of the Crush Brain Game, our look into the brain and brain performance, where we've come from and where we're going, and the unbelievable impact it's having on human performance. We like to think that the brain and the technology that's now allowing us to train, work with, and understand the brain in ways that we've never been previously able to. These two things hold the greatest potential for pushing human performance forward. We're at a biological ceiling, let's face it. When it comes to getting faster, wanting to jump higher, being stronger, more powerful, we know this stuff very well. Given time and effort, we can find out how strong you can become, how fast you'll be able to run. That stuff is pretty easy. When it comes to the technical, tactical side, skill development, talent development, we've got an incredible handle on the physical world of human performance. But the mental side, Oh boy, that's where the great potential lies. And like in everything that we do, we like to truly understand the issues and the problems so we can map out an accurate, concise, and incredibly effective plan for overcoming, handling, and conquering those problems. And right now, we've made great advancements when it comes to our understanding of the brain, what it's all about, what it entails, the mental side, the cognitive side, the personality side, and of course, the hardware, the brain, the nerves, the eyes, the feedback systems in the body. We've got a pretty good understanding of all of that stuff. We just haven't had the tools to really dive in and train it well until now. And that is why I'm so excited to introduce today's guest, Mr. Lawrence Klein, co-founder of Thought Technology, Vice Chairman of the Board, Thought Technology is one of the world's leading biofeedback, neurofeedback, and psychophysiological instrument manufacturers. Mr. Klein, welcome to the show. So glad you could join us today. A joy to be with you. Well, as we kick off our, I guess, sort of um, our plight to better understand and justify uh, the brain in human performance here and its role in human performance, uh, what a treat it is to have one of the co-founders of what may very well be one of the most powerful companies in our current understanding of brain, brain performance, and also helping our athletes perform. So I'm really excited to have you on today. It's my pleasure to be here, particularly following 
Dr. Penny Wertner, who was interviewed by you. Yeah, and our, that conversation is great. Of course, I did my degree at University of Calgary, so um, I got a really good insight as a young professional into the, the power of the brain. And, you know, it's kind of funny how you develop over the years. When I came out of school, I was applied physiology, strength and conditioning, really understanding the physical side of human performance. Of course, that sort of peaks. And, you know, we talked to Dr. John Kolb and a, a bunch of the top experts in the field. And it's interesting to note that we're kind of at a biological ceiling when it comes to physical preparation. There's not a lot we don't know when it comes to the nervous system, uh, the musculoskeletal system, and even the fascia and how we train and prepare the body for the stresses of sport. Um, in this series we're doing right now, Lawrence, um, just to preface the conversation here, uh, we've had uh, uh, four top priorities that we've sort of deemed as the foundations for human performance. And I'll just quickly run through them for you so you know where we're coming from. Um, number one at the top of our, 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 our hierarchy is rest, recovery, and sleep. So before we do anything with an athlete or an organization, we get a good understanding of what that looks like short-term and long-term. Then we look at nutrition, hydration, posture, range of motion to make sure our athletes and our, our um, clients are functioning properly. And then we teach movement and then everything else flows after that performance side flows after that the conversation right now. And in my humble opinion, and I would like to get your opinion on this. Uh, my humble opinion is um, the, the greatest, the greatest opportunity for tapping into future human performance lies not within the physical side. I believe lies within technology and the technology that's allowing us to better understand, understand and train the mind, the brain. And so the brain game is kind of our question. Should the brain become one of our fundamental top priorities that we address before anything else? That's sort of the question today. And I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation to get some insight so we can make an informed decision here. It's interesting that the, the first point you made was rest and recovery, because that's the answer to my question is what is the most important in every sport? You know, some sports go on for a couple of hours, uh, marathons and triathlons. Others take about a second, you know, uh, lifting weights. If you don't have it uh, over your head in about a second, you're toast. So th th uh, there's a sport has such a wide range of skill, but everyone has something uh, absolutely in common, and that's a good night's sleep before the performance. So that's really at the heart of uh, uh, psychophysiology is how do you learn how to uh, relax and uh, go to sleep and get a good night's sleep? Uh, no pressure now. It's, it's something you've done 10, 20, 50,000 times that skill. And this is the only difference is two, two billion people are watching. And uh, this is the one that counts. So that's the beauty of uh, psychophysiology, biofeedback, uh, neurofeedback, which is just EEG biofeedback. That's a term that's often used. So uh, getting a good night's sleep. Uh, we worked with Dr. Peter Howreed, head of the uh, Dartmouth-Hitchcock Sleep Disorder Center, and he was using our little GSR-1, which is what started the company, and he was using with stress insomnia. So this is a very powerful tool, and the beauty of it is when it falls out of your hand, because it's, it's shaped like a mouse, uh, 
uh, it's giving you tone feedback. And as you drift into sleep, the tone goes down, down, falls off off your fingers and you're asleep. So it, it's, it's kind of a natural fit. I like that. So, you know, it's really interesting to hear you talk about all of this stuff because, you know, right now I'm really trying to decide, okay, look, we've been written in stone. It's like the four commandments of performance for us. You know, those four priorities, sleep being without question, number one, but I'm finding now, and as we dig in deeper to the brain, the brain is a very complex organism and you guys and your company thought technology is helping us dig down and understand and even train at real time. Exci- this is the most exciting time in human performance that I, I think there's ever been. And a lot of it has to do with the technology. So, you know, let's, how about this to, to help our, our, our audience understand and maybe to help them participate in our decision-making as to whether the brain should be a top priority, maybe the fifth priority and where it should lie. Why don't we go back to the history of your company because boy oh boy what an exciting uh, adventure you've been on it was founded in 1975 with your partner dr hal myers and um you know you talk about the gsr1 and then the gsr2 rolls in around 1980 or so a uh, very very exciting times i'd like to ask you this lawrence how in the world did you guys get into this side of human performance uh, back in 1975 you guys were much you guys were way ahead of the times well, a decade before that, actually in 65, uh, I was a ski instructor and ski coach and working for uh, uh, Tremblant and Ernie McCullough. And um, um, my passion is skiing. And um, uh, I went out uh, west and um, both Al Rain, who married Nancy Green, who's well-known uh, uh, gold medalist, um, he was the coach of the uh, women's uh, Olympic team, and uh, we both flunked. And I decided <laughs> to go. <laughs> we 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 flunked our level three. I I did did pass it eventually, but uh, uh, I I decided okay I'm uh, I'm I'm going to go to university and, and become a sports psychologist. And uh, then when I left university, I. I went over to, to Europe and, and took a, a season off and hung out at, uh, in a camper at the bottom of Team Valdez there. And um, when I came back, I bumped into Hal, and he was uh, doing his doctorate in experimental medicine and had developed this little device because he had an elevator phobic. And um, he was pushing a, a grass polygraph the size of a refrigerator down the hallway uh, behind her because when she was about 150 feet away, she was having a, a galvanic skin response, but she only felt it when she was 10 feet from the elevator. So as she approached it, she'd stop, bring the tone down, and then she'd walk a little bit further, bring the tone down till she could actually get on the elevator and ride it. So uh, this is um, uh, the device he showed me, and I thought, this is perfect. Uh, and I told him, we'll make a gazillion of these. And um, and the next thing, we were in business. So six months later, we started selling it, and um, the rest is history. And what a history it is. We're talking with Lawrence Klein, the co-founder and vice chairman of the board for Thought Technology um, boy, oh boy, if uh, you go onto the website, it's thoughttechnology.com. I'm encouraging everybody just to go take a look at the timeline of the company. It is a, it is a, 
a very interesting tale that starts off, of course, with the GS2, you know, 1975 founding. And then boy, if we look at some of the events and some of the incredible things you guys have done, you know, from the Montreal police to the Women's Canadian Olympic downhill, there's some interesting uh, notes here as well. Uh, a collaboration with Apple II running the Compute. I would like to talk to you about that and how that came about. Um, this is in October 1984. Uh, must have been a very interesting time for you guys to get to get in into um um, I guess, collaboration with Apple. Yeah, the, <clears throat> this was actually uh, the, the first uh, uh, biofeedback product to plug into the computer. And uh, uh, Mr. Spock, uh, Leonard Nimoy, uh, was, was on, the, uh, uh, on the cover of the product. And it was very exciting. But, you know, the uh, uh, computers were taking off and the line was going straight up. And then uh, just as they released it, the, the line flattened and went down. And uh, that was uh, what sort of brought us in the direction of the medical market. And that was 84. So since 84, uh, we've been, well, we, from, the, from day one, we were FDA uh, 510K. We were uh, uh, a medical instrument manufacturer, and we were certified for use in hospitals. And we were being used as an outpatient therapy tool. And but my my passion was sport, so it was always running in parallel with everything else. The, the first program we wrote was Mind Over Muscle, and then um, in the early '80s, I bumped into Dr. Peter Howry, the head of the Dartmouth Hitchcock Sleep Disorder Center, as I mentioned before. And uh, then he was so world renowned that everybody else said, "Hey." This is a great idea. Let's let's do a program like Lawrence uh, published for uh, for Peter. And so we did stress control, stop smoking, sleep well, weight control, taking tests, public speaking, breathing for health, flying relaxed, just say no for alcohol and chemical dependency, uh, sex tune up, pain control. And of course, the original was Mind Over Muscle. So we have a dozen programs which will be downloadable uh, later in September from the BFE.org. That's the Biofeedback Federation of Europe, BFE, BobFrankEdward.org. And it'll, it'll be online downloadable. It was uh, last on CDs and before that on cassette. But we figured that this is an application that uh, leading clinicians from medical and major medical institutions have uh, integrated into their practice. And so, of course, each one uses it in their own particular skill uh, and way to treat whatever their issue is, like insomnia or smoking cessation, et cetera. And of course, it's also very relevant for alcohol and chemical dependency, which is uh, an epidemic. Oh, so many applications, Lawrence. This is very, very exciting. And to see it touching the lives of so many different people from so many different aspects of life is really, really encouraging. You know, we have this thing in our programs, you know, when we look at human performance and the fundamentals of development and skill acquisition, talent development, and everything that human beings deal with in the interim and in the meantime, in between time, we have this saying, it's a human thing. You know, it's not isolated to one particular type of athlete or an athlete. It's not even 
isolated to athletes. We can look at any performer, music, acting, uh, the race car drivers, the military, first responders, right up to the lawyers, moms and dads, teachers, everybody. It's a human thing. And what you're talking about here is really, really important work. Could we go back, Lawrence, and just talk about that, that mind over muscle breakthrough and what talk, what brought you to that and, and how that sort of set the tone for all these other incredible programs? Well, my sports buddy, uh, we were running the air base every morning, uh, six, six times a week at 7 a.m. And a six miles, 10K. And uh, so we ran it 1,500 times. After the first few hundred, I started needling Nori about, hey, what do you think about using this uh, in ski racing? And uh, I finally said, you know what? Uh, let's go see Dr. Dan Marisi, head of sports psychology at McGill. And so um, they had met on a tatami. The, uh, they were both black belts in judo. And um, he was uh, a very uh, uh, open kind of guy. And he said, great question. Will you be quicker through the gates? And he just shrugged his shoulder and said, great question. Uh, no idea. Anyway, um, it turned out about 15 years later, he used our 10-channel system with Ayrton Senna and Emerson Fittipaldi of Formula One fame. So it was a, a, a fabulous uh, kind of evolution with Dan. But at that, at that time, um, really none of the teams were interested in this, except the biathletes in Valcarche. And the reason was they were biathlon, so they had cross-country skiing and shooting. And uh, the, the difficulty was 180 beats per minute, but when you're shooting, you want to be below 60. And as you're trying to get your heart rate down, of course, you're hearing the other skiers coming in, and it's disruptive to your, your focus. So uh, we, we took the, the 24 guys, and we marched them into the rec hall, and they numbered off one, two, one, two. Okay, one's forward, two back. So they had two groups. And then we flipped a coin just so that it was random. Half got real GSR2s and half got fixed tone, which didn't vary. And they got six words of instruction. Do mentally what you do physically. And they saluted because they're military and off they went. And then after about six weeks, uh, a dozen of them came in and said, this is fixed against us. And unless you give us the real stuff, we quit. And so we wow. did an, yeah, we did an ABA study where the uh, A group got the B condition, and uh, they came up equal. Theoretically, they uh, every other guy could have been a dud, but of course, you know, with random selection, it would be highly unusual. So then we knew we were onto something, and that led to a doctor, Viatus Sue Wilson from York University, who, by the way, was the sports psychologist for Ben Johnson and Dave Steen. That that was, of course, uh, the Usain Bolt of uh, the 1980s um, in the 100 meter. And um, also um, uh, Cal Botterill of uh, long track speed skating fame and uh, Jack Donahue, 18 years, uh, the coach of the Canadian Olympic basketball team. So they would teach... The level fives, that's the Olympic coaches. There's only one of them, and, and there's 120 uh, 
sports in the Coaching Association of Canada. And so 60 of them would show up in October in Mont Saint-Marie, and they'd spend a weekend and they'd use our uh, muscle biofeedback or brain biofeedback or uh, uh, EKG, uh, heart, heart biofeedback to uh, teach each one of these individual sports uh, uh, how to optimize uh, their, their use uh, to help their uh, athletes perform. It's incredible, incredible stuff. And we've seen the outcomes and how powerful um, these devices and these strategies can be. Um, so maybe for our audience, Lawrence, we're talking with Lawrence Klein, the co-founder and vice chairman of the board for Thought Technology. You could check out their great information and their great technology at thoughttechnology.com. Um, Lawrence, how about for our audience who might not be familiar with some of the terms we're using? Maybe quickly, let's just talk about biofeedback, neurofeedback, heart rate variability, you know, skin conductance, some of the things that we're talking about that you guys have really focused on in terms of your technologies. Like uh, just a, br a brief description for some of the athletes, coaches, parents out there who are listening that, that might not be familiar with this stuff and how powerful it is. It's one of the reasons we're so excited to have you on today. But when we talk about biofeedback and neurofeedback, how would you explain that to somebody who who's never really been introduced to it before okay i guess the the overall thought is you're 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 in a um a pub you're throwing darts and all of a sudden the lights go off and it's, it's completely black how are you going to hit the target well if you have uh sound feedback because as you get closer to, to the bullseye, the lower the tone. So you're throwing and you're getting high-pitched sounds. And then on, on a couple of throws, you get, uh, get the tone going down. And pretty soon, you're hitting the target. Even though there, there's no feedback, you're getting tone feedback. But well, we have tone feedback for your body. And we measure your brain, muscle, heart, skin conductance, temperature, blood volume, pulse. That's on every beat, the amount of blood in your fingers changes and you can actually listen to it and learn how to modify it. What you want to do is warm your hands because, you know, when you're <clears throat> stressed, your hands get cold and clammy. Well, you can, on, on every second, this is changing and by observing it, you can kind of body English it, if you will, into the direction which you're you're aiming for, which is deep relaxation. Why? Because as we learned with the biathletes, unless you reach a deep state of relaxation, uh, your mental rehearsal or visualization doesn't have the same effect that if you're uh, in a deep state of relaxation. But I learned about that uh, uh, through hypnosis and uh, my buddy was uh, teaching the RCMP, and I would often sit in with them as he was training them. Post-hypnotic suggestion works because you're in a deep state of relaxation. And really what you're doing is you're relaxing yourself into a state and reprogramming your physiology. Isn't it interesting? Fascinating stuff. We're talking with Lawrence Klein, the uh, co-founder and vice chairman of the board for Thought Technology. Well, interesting stuff. And that is a great analogy, the dart throwing and the clammy hands. That's something and, and things that everybody can relate to. So that that really does paint a beautiful picture for us, Lawrence. And it's interesting that you mentioned the hypnosis. Now, 
I've tried to get hypnotized a couple of times. I just, for whatever reason, I can't, I even, I want to so bad. Maybe that's the problem because I want to experience it and see how it works. And I've heard that coming out of a hypnotic state, um, you feel like you've had eight hours of sleep. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. That's my number one priority. If I can get hypnotized and come out feeling uh, fresh as a daisy, that would be powerful for me. Um, but this whole concept of being able to now see real time how your body's responding but then lawrence think i just i'm so unbelievably enamored by the potential of helping our athletes understand and control these variables uh for performance outcomes health and and, and just um a wellness in general you're absolutely right the the funny part is that the the thing that started the company the gsr one and two well the one is no longer available, but the two, which is about 44 years old now, uh, or young, it, it is still available. And it's it's very affordable. It's uh, under 100 bucks Canadian, uh, 75 US. And it's comes with a relaxation program with it. And then you can, uh, what we're going to do is offer the programs by download. So all those programs that I talked about, um, you know, our insomnia hasn't changed our, uh, all of those things uh, that, that we're dealing with in life, um, particularly right now. Um, stress was always uh, the most popular program. Um, but it's interesting because uh, Dr. Eric Pepper, who uh, uh, is at San Francisco State University and taught me so much about uh, physiology and biofeedback, you know, uh, just for a moment, take a deep breath right now, okay? One, two, three, now, and tell me, did you breathe in or out? I breathed in. And 95% of people breathe in. And Eric Pepper would say, yeah, but how can you breathe in if you haven't emptied your lungs? Ooh. So now what you want to do is take your non-dominant hand, put it on your tummy, uh, right at your belly button, and... Uh, breathe like a baby, okay? So the, uh, as you exhale, your stomach goes in, and you exhale for six seconds and breathe in for four. Why is that? Because uh, your heart rate decelerates when you're breathing out because, hey, it doesn't have to pump so much to get the blood out to your fingers and toes. But as you breathe in, the air is coming into your lungs and it gets more excited and it, it, it speeds up. So, you know, when you ask somebody, what's your resting heart rate? Very often they'll, they'll say something like, I don't know, 70. But really, you don't have a heart rate, but a heart range. So as you breathe in, it may go up to 75. And as you breathe out, it'll go down to 65. So you have an HRV, a heart rate variability of 10 breaths. Mm. Now, um, you don't want your heart to, uh, to completely relax because that's called death. But you want to be able to slow it down. And if you're breathing out for one third longer than you're breathing in, it means that your average heart rate will be around 68 or 67. And that gives your heart uh, a, a time to to uh, regenerate. If you think about 
uh, the guy is going onto the ice for a minute or two, right? And they're going full tilt, and then they get back in the bench. Are they regenerating? Are they uh, a- actually getting themselves recharged for going back on the ice? Or are they all excited and too much into the game? And this is uh, really the skills that uh, Dr. Len Zykowski and uh, Dr. Wertner and so many of our colleagues are using our biofeedback for us to teach them how to disengage. Uh, and uh, in, in the mind over muscle video that was done by Cal Botterill, uh, that's also uh, available on, online as a download. And uh, he goes into the, the, the whole concept of parking it. You know, when you want to park it, you want to just let go and just focus on relaxation. And, you know, no matter how hard you grip the wheel of your car, that red light isn't going to change any sooner. So as if you use the pause that the red light gives you to relax your body and just start with, with an exhalation, whenever you're going to breathe, breathe out first and you'll you'll be uh, giving your body as to regenerate. Absolutely fascinating stuff. Well, I can see this, you know, um, uh, practice maybe having a massive impact, not just for our athletes and their performance, but uh, decreasing uh, uh, the instances of road rage, perhaps, and maybe even helping parents deal with their teenagers. How about that? Take a deep breath, everybody. Just absolutely incredible stuff. We're talking with Lawrence Klein, the co-founder and vice chairman of the board for Thought Technology. Lawrence, if you're okay staying on, I'd like to just keep rolling with this conversation, if you're okay with time-wise. Very happy to be here. Excellent. Well, great. Um, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the breathing because it's such a big part of, of performance right now. We talk about diaphragmatic breathing, yoga, the breathing techniques now that we're incorporating into human performance. And as I mentioned, kind of jokingly, you know, um, it's something that everybody can can take advantage of and benefit from. It's one of those human things, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. You know, um, Dr. Wertner taught for us in 2012. And by the way, if you ask for it, just uh, send me an, an email, lawrence at thoughttechnology.com. I'll be happy to send that link to you. It's fascinating because uh, she tells the story of, of Chantal Petit-Claire, you know, the wheelchair yes. uh, superstar. And she t- tells uh, that Chantal said, I don't want six, uh, five medals at the Olympics. I want five gold medals. And there she is in the, uh, the 100-meter, and that's, that's the last, uh, last race she's going to be in. And, and she uh, goes ahead, and, and uh, she's about uh, two w- uh, wheelchair lengths. That's about like six feet behind. Uh, and uh, uh, at the halfway point, that that's you know the whole race is only about uh, 15 seconds and then all of a sudden she just takes off and 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 wins by about a foot uh and uh it's it's that uh, ability to um uh to bring it when you need to and uh so uh Pen- penny's work also uh, when you, I'm, I was just looking at, uh, I scribbled down posture and 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 movement, and uh, she worked with a gold, a double gold medalist in in uh, in skiing, and <clears throat> when she met him, 
she saw saw that his his shoulders uh, were uh, quite high, and she she put put the electrodes on it and she, on him, and she didn't um, believe. Uh, she kept you know scrubbing it because she didn't believe what she was reading, and it was 150 microvolts, and it should be being two or four. So. Um, when she brought it to his attention, he said, oh, yeah, my coach is always telling me to drop this. So when he had this actual feedback, the measurement from the device, and he learned how to get it down to two to four, he said, wow. You know, and of course, uh, then then he won his two gold medals. So um, and uh, the mother of uh, Eric Gay, who was uh, the World Cup. Uh, champion downhill uh, said that uh, without Dr. Wertner uh, would, would would never have been a medal. Uh, that that he he really owes all, all of his uh, success to. Her. So uh, sports psychologists uh, have are, are a special breed, coaches and trainers like, him. but uh, sports psychologists that use our instrumentation uh, can. Uh, analyze all of those different systems here, uh, seven, eight uh, physiological systems and say, look, um, your hands are, are about five degrees colder than they should be. Let's warm them up. Or they can go in and, and analyze, you, you know, your muscles or brain waves, et cetera. So this is the utility of uh, having psychophysiology is in sport and, of course, in life, uh, because it's, it's used uh, 95 or more percent of our sales are medical. And they're used in in a hundred different a hundred different disciplines like attention deficit disorder and autism and incontinence and stroke rehabilitation. the The list is is almost endless. And www.bfe.org, the Biofeedback Federation of Europe, we've trained some tens of thousands of clinicians in eighty countries how to use our instrumentation. No, there's no question, Lawrence, on the applications here. And if I have anything to say about it, you're going to be selling a heck of a lot more in the sporting world <laughs> because I've actually seen firsthand the value of this. So my daughter was a freestyle skier. And of course, you know, I uh, had been talking to Penny at that time and I've saw the Olympic freestylers using this technology. Um, I actually went in myself. Uh, to a local uh, expert here, uh, John Stevenson of Zone Performance. And I actually had my brain mapped out and I've got all the feedback and I actually tried some of the programs just to see how it worked because in order for me to, you know, really recommend it to my athletes and, and the coaches and the organizations I was working with, I wanted to have a better understanding and, and see how it actually worked. And it, it really, really was enlightening for me to see my mind at work and get a better understanding of how my mind works. But maybe even more importantly, after getting that mapping done, um, focusing in and understanding which tools could help me and as an individual perform better or attack the areas that I, that I could tap to, to tap into potential. Um, we got my daughter into the program as a, uh, a very elite, uh, a 15 year old. And, um, the surprising pleasant surprise for us, Lawrence, wasn't just, you know, the, the purpose it gave her in terms of that side of her sport performance, because the physical side, she found very easy, but it also, 
impacted her life in school and just socially and just in a relaxation time. So it was incredible for me to see firsthand early on when I was first introduced to the technology, the impact, not just in terms of sport performance, but in uh, just wellness and holistic wellness, which was fascinating to me. Yeah, well, taking tests with confidence uh, that I mentioned when I, when I was talking about the biofeedback behavioral management series um, and uh, public speaking, actually, you know, um, on a hierarchy of, of fears, uh, uh, public speaking is probably one of the highest. So uh, it's, it's fascinating uh, uh, how uh, this program uh, can enable people to deal with stress and uh, and harness it uh, to into performance. So um, yeah, it's 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 quite it's quite amazing. And by the way, there's um, I googled mindfulness, and you couldn't believe how many uh, millions of hits. It's hundreds of thousands, and uh, it's also very useful. Uh, for that whole idea, because uh, what, there was an article written in Prevention Magazine. If they uh, Google Prevention Magazine Thought Technology, they'll they'll be able to read that program. We got ten thousand calls. I mean, normally if you get a hundred calls, you know you'd be you'd be ecstatic. Ten thousand, we were through the roof. So. Um, it's the idea that the fellow was talking about transcendental meditation and sitting there and thinking, hmm, is this working? And, you know, that thought kept on springing up into his mind. But then when he got the biofeedback device, you see immediately when you lose your focus. So uh, then you really can uh, not only see, but experience the fact that uh, self-regulation is not that difficult when you have feedback. And that's why we're the, we're the lights uh, to a dark room. We, we can lead you uh, into self-regulation and we're all capable of it. You know, we, 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 we breathe all night long. So it, it is uh, uh, an involuntary uh, process but that's where the voluntary and involuntary cross, because then when you're diving into a swimming pool, you can say, okay, now for a deep breath. Well, remember, first breathe out, pull your tummy in so you can really expand your lungs. Think of this for a second. You're breathing six times a minute. That's the optimum. Okay, lots of people breathe at uh, 24. So, uh, you're breathing four times more than you need to. What's the big deal? Well, I'll tell you, if you have asthma, uh, what you're doing is you're moving dead air up and down your windpipe because it never gets uh, to your lungs, right? So imagine that you're, you're breathing uh, four times uh, more dead air up and down because, of course, if you're breathing six times a minute, there's still that dead air, but if you're uh, you're you're breathing an, an extra four, four times as as much dead air, then uh, and that's how uh, Dr. Eric Pepper uh, treats asthmatics. He teaches how to the, them how to breathe diaphragmatically, and uh, the best thing about biofeedback 
no drugs. Right. And tell tell that to Putin. <laughs> Absolutely. And amen to that. We're talking with Lawrence Klein, co-founder and vice chairman of the board for Thought Technology. I'm um, going back to that Prevention Magazine um, article that's back in 19... 19- uh, 84. And that was an incredible time for you guys. Um, I, I, Lawrence, one thing I just have to go back to, um, uh, you guys are the lights to a dark room. Wow. That is absolutely a powerful statement. And, and so true. I wish, uh, for everybody to have the experience of, of, you know, taking on some of the issues they might have, whether it's for performance, or just health and wellness uh, with your technology, but lights to a dark room. That is a very, very profound statement. And I really, really appreciate that because in, in light of the stress and anxiety uh, context, um, you know, I was uh, lucky enough and honored to speak at one of the um, the top uh, sporting uh, conferences here uh, in, in 2018. And I was out uh, talking to some of the industry's top minds and they wanted me to talk about rest, recovery, and sleep because I'd been so passionate about helping uh, um, handle the injury rates that we're seeing in sport, the burnout rates, the dropout rates in youth. And one thing that we're missing is that is that uh, recovery side, managing our workload, our intensity, our volumes around the amount of quality rest we can get. And then getting quality rest is another thing in recovery. Um, but during that conference, I sat in on every possible session I could. And they were talking about the injury rates in sports and in particular professional sport. And, and in baseball, um, they were just sort of reviewing, you know, despite the hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars involved here and all the experts and the, the, the smart people around and the resources that we have, injury rates in professional baseball have gone up every single year at record rates for the last eight years. Last year, 2019, the last full season was the first time in Major League Baseball we saw a 4% drop in in injuries and we don't know whether that's a blip on the map we won't know until we have another full season but it's an encouraging trend as they added four more days of rest into the schedule but in the minor leagues um we're at an all-time high and we know in youth sports we're at an all-time high but as they sort of counted down the top 10 reasons for uh, for injuries this this is stuck it's burned into my mind the number five reason was anxiety And I'm telling you, talk about taking a breath. I think I froze when I heard this. I said, did I hear this properly? The number five reason for injuries in this particular context, you know, for professional baseball was anxiety. Isn't that fascinating? Because anxiety is one of those things that we should be addressing. And I'll tell you, that was the turning point for me going, maybe we need to address the mind before we get into even any of the performance parameters. What a fascinating time that was for me personally. Uh, ab- absolutely. Well, you know, in skiing, uh, the the mental side is is really so important. <clears throat> Where your gaze is, uh, you know, most people are watching the the tips of their skis or the next mogul, you know. But when you can uh, um, sort of disengage and just just flow, go with the flow, so to speak, it it makes the whole experience uh, so blissful. So. Um, uh, I understand that you work with the Toronto Blue Jays, and and so no no uh, uh, baseball very well. The interesting part of this is, of course, um, you know the ball is traveling at over a hundred miles an hour. So uh, I think you were telling me that there's uh, about well, how how much is it? Two hundred and eighty milliseconds. Uh, so uh, yeah, so this is an inter- yeah. the guy's hand. Yeah, so this is an interesting this is an interesting breakdown of the average pitch. So the average 
uh, a fastball um, velocity is 93.3 miles an hour. But if you break mm-hmm. it down, you know, the average pitcher, the, the, the mound is 60 feet, six inches away from home plate. So you have mm-hmm. your batter in the batter's box, your pitcher on the mound, they're dueling it out, going to war against each other. And um, the average pitcher upon release point, you know, taking the averages of guys who are tall and long and guys that are a little bit shorter. But once the ball, a 90 mile an hour fastball leaves the pitcher's hand, you have 400 milliseconds uh, before it crosses the plate. So the hitter um, is either going to make contact or not make contact. And all of the decisions and all of the information and all the processing has to happen in the time it takes you to really blink your eyes, 400, uh, 400 milliseconds, 400 of a second. So it's fascinating to me. And, and to be able to tap in control and help these guys manage their internal and external environment better. What a powerful, powerful thing that is. And I'm telling you right now, nobody's doing it well yet in the game. So I see so much potential here. Uh, ben Strack uh, was a professional pitcher. He's he's a sports psychologist uh, out in California. And uh, when we brought out um, uh, the AV Sync device, which allows us to make your computer uh, uh, 200 times more accurate, okay? Because your computer doesn't know if your email went and I blink sooner or later. And that's 100 milliseconds. So it's plus or minus 100 milliseconds is what your computer has. That's what Microsoft gave you. And chillax, you know, as my kids would say. <laughs> right, but, yeah. But, but however, however, what we do is we put a suction cup on the screen and the light travels two feet down this fiber optic cable into the AV sync device, which is plugged into your computer's RS-232. So it tells uh, uh, your computer that it just happened at that moment and it it has a resolution uh, 200 times more accurate than your computer has. So it's a half a millisecond, 0.05. And what this enables us to do is for neurologists to look at the P300 wave because at the normal rate that your computer has, the, the signal on the screen only looks like a little P, barely visible at the bottom. But if it's... Uh, if it's five milliseconds, it hits the top of the screen, and at a half a millisecond, uh, it you actually see all the, the definitions, and they use it for dementia and Alzheimer's and uh, other cognitive uh, issues in the brain. But the beauty of this is uh, that uh, you can also uh, train the athletes. So Dr. Wertner did a study with this gold medalist, no, uh, sorry, bronze medalist in canoe kayaking. And uh, uh, he, she made him 200 milliseconds quicker off the start. So his average slow times were about 360 and his average uh, fast times were about 165. So by uh, that uh, couple of hundred milliseconds made the difference between first and and fifth place. 200 milliseconds uh, in any professional sport or world-class sport is a lifetime of time. That is the difference between so much. That is an incredible uh, um, uh, feat right there. And imagine the implications here 
Um, even if it's a fraction of that in all of these other reactionary sports, it's absolutely basically, if you think about it, break it down, I, you know, I trying to visualize this, you're creating time for the athlete. It's fascinating stuff. That's why Dr. Pierre Beauchamp trained, uh, all the guys to get out of the block as quick as possible. Of course, short track speed skating, it's a lot more important than long track, you know, because in short track, it's <laughs> as, as, as it goes, it's like the 100 meter as opposed to uh, the uh, triathlon or marathon. So uh, the, uh, the, uh, the 100 meter, everybody's uh, across the finish line in half a second, right? So that, that's, that's why getting out of the blocks is so important. Um, it's interesting. I was just reading on Google today that uh, uh, they've uh, shortened the uh, false start from 150 milliseconds down to 100 milliseconds, even though they said the average uh, guy can't get out of the blocks uh, faster than 160. For some reason, they've they decided, okay, we're going to cut it uh, so that people are less likely to false start, but uh, you know, anticipate the the, uh, the gun going off. Oh, it's incredible! You know, I was watching the last Olympics, and I remember actually talking about this with some of my uh, colleagues when we're watching these false starts and and how fast. These guys and women are are reacting to the starting pistol. And, you know, we got into the conversation of, of precognition for crying out loud because the reaction times are absolutely uncanny. It's it's insane when you're really, really in tune. But that's a trainable attribute as well, isn't it, Lawrence? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the study was so fascinating because his fastest time was uh, – 152.3 or something like that so like she, they they aggregated all the fastest times and all the slowest times and then he kind of tuned into it that that very subtle uh, state where where he's quicker out of the blocks than slower so this is a trainable skill and of course you know in in those sh short races it, it's you know his his uh, canoe kayak i think it was a 200 meter was over in like 25 seconds or so so you know, this is it's awesome that they can bring it on, uh, you know, because they've done it so many uh, thousands and thousands of times. But this time it, it really counts. Um, it's it's remarkable. Uh, the and the the so let's say subtlety of uh, working with with elite sports. And uh, that's why uh, this group of uh, people who are using our instrumentation are, are so inspirational. Yeah, there's no question. We're talking with Lawrence Klein, the co-founder of Thought Technology. Well, you know, even through hard times, uh, good things come out of it. I'm sure we're going to see the, the same here once we get to the other side of this COVID, despite all of the loss of life and the impact on our economy, which has been devastating for all of us. There's not a person in this world that hasn't been touched by COVID. But if we look back in history, 
some good things have come out of very challenging times. You mentioned Ben Johnson earlier. If we go back to um, July uh, 1989 uh, in the Dublin inquiry, it's also on the thought technology timeline. Peak performance starts in the mind. I thought that was a powerful statement for 1989. And if we move through your 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 uh, timeline for the company there, in July 2nd of 1993, President Bill Clinton was involved. And then, of course, the Grand Prix drivers followed right after that. So I'm interested to see the names and the applications here. But the one thing I really wanted to talk to you about today, um, um, Lawrence, is because I remember this very, very well, and I was fascinated by it. Magic has always fascinated me. But in in uh, 2000, David Blaine and his frozen ice, he sent 62 hours um, you know, uh, in, in a six ton block of ice and you guys were involved in that as well. So, um, the names and the places that we're seeing your technology popping up is, is incredibly fascinating. Yeah, we, we have uh, seven Guinness records, but, uh, um, there, there must be hundreds of, uh, gold and silver medals, uh, that, 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 sort of uh, have been focused on using our instrumentation. You know, we're used in uh, about 85 countries. And uh, I, I know that Mind Over Muscle has found its its way into, into several dozen uh, of the Olympic um, uh, programs, the Chinese, Koreans, Japanese, uh, Australians, etc., all around the world have been using, actually translated our mind over muscle into all their their languages. And uh, uh, Cal Botterill's uh, uh, inspirational video uh, is still as, uh, you know, it's five Olympic sports. It's uh, basketball, uh, hockey, uh, high diving, uh, synchro swimming and actual swimming. Mark Dukesbury and Carolyn Waldo had not won a medal, and they're they're part of that that program. Of course, the, the, uh, they they've got gold since then. But uh, when they shot the video, uh, they they were aspiring um, Olympians. They had they hadn't won. It was Sylvie Bernier who was the only uh, medalist in that movie uh, in the 84 uh, high diving. So, yeah, and the Montreal police ran out to Los Angeles in the longest continuous marathon, uh, uh, raising money, money for, uh, for crippled children. That's the term they used at the time, but, you know, the physically challenged. So uh, it, it was 15 guys of the SWAT team, uh, that uh, that ran in this continuous marathon, 7,500 kilometers uh, from Montreal to Los Angeles. It was uh, qu- it was quite inspiring. No, that is inspiring. There's many, many inspiring stories along your timeline and through the history of your company, you know, from the early 2000s, Italy's secret weapon to the Indian athlete um, for Olympic gold. Uh, we see the Olympic Canadian speed skaters. And then, Lawrence, the Mind Room, AC Milan's Mind Lab. Uh, and this is a fascinating new chapter in the company and the technology's history. Funny you should mention Bruno de Michaelis because uh, this September, i.e. tomorrow, uh, in the next few weeks, we're releasing Bruno de Michaelis' uh, uh, app that runs on the EVU TPS. The TPS is a triple physiological sensor, temperature, pulse, skin conductance, TPS, and um, 
it plugs into your Android. It'll be uh, available for iOS uh, in the next few months. And uh, Bruno's got an app which is specifically for elite performance for sport and, you know, or athletes at any level, of course. And um, this is the kind of the smartphone version of the GSR 2 or Temp 2. GSR Temp 2 did GSR and temperature, and this one has heart rate variability and respiration, by the way, because when you rest it on your belly, it's got a movement sensor that's so sensitive, you can actually watch your respiration. The idea being that as you're breathing in, uh, you, you want you want to ensure that uh, your uh, uh, heart heart rate is uh, ac- accelerating, and as you're breathing out, it's decelerating. And synchronizing your rate with your respiration is the secret to uh, let's say finesse your heart rate variability so that it's larger. Uh, that's as I was saying before, the only time your heart gets to relax. So um, it's it's uh, it's it's really that, by the way, is what Dr. Leah Lagos, who just uh, published her book, um, uh, uh, Heart, Breath, Mind. Um, and uh, I, also uh, Dr. Eric Pepper uh, uh, has has a new book uh, on tech stress uh, and uh, 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 Leah treats concussion and i was listening to your uh your person who was talking about concussion and i remember will smith playing that the um uh, uh, the pathologist yes uh, uh, bennett omalu and your your fellow was saying con- concussion doesn't exist and unfortunately it very well does and I, I disagree, not only disagree with them, but, you know, the, the whole medical world disagrees with them. Uh, it's, but it's not just a bruise to the brain. It's actually a disruption of the autonomic nervous system. So you have two uh, facets of it. The gas and the brake are the sympathetic and parasympathetic system. And what happens is the gas gets welded down to the floor and the brake gets disconnected. So 25 years after concussion, the bruise, of course, is all all, uh, resolved. But the disruption for the autonomic nervous system is still there. And Leah Lagos uses the TPS and successfully resolved the neurologist who came to her after she'd cured all of his patients and said, I got to confess, I got concussed when I was a, a quarterback uh, and uh, I still get uh, insomnia and migraines uh, when I'm stressed. And she said, well, uh, he asked, will it work 20, 25 years post-concussion? And she said, can't hurt. And <laughs> right. it, it resolved. So they're doing research now. Uh, with the TPS uh, on concussion, it's it's uh, it's something that's a monster uh, in the world, and um, y- you can turn your you, you don't have to love sugar uh, to uh, uh, let's say beware of concussion. Yes, of course, while well, you're wear your helmet, 
Uh, and uh, but um, I, I had to mention that I I sent the uh, uh, um, the interview with uh, Bennett O'Malu. Uh, your your listeners can can look for Concussion, the movie, and you can you can listen to to his uh, talk at uh, I think it was it was at Oxford in uh, yeah. the UK. Yeah. So anyway. Um, um, it's uh, it's thrilling to share with uh, this information with you, and um, I I think people can can really uncover the, uh, their power that that lies within us all to be able to uh, exercise their breathing. Yeah. I, I, Lawrence, I thank you so much for your time today. We were scheduled to go for about 20 minutes. We're tapping on the uh, 60 minute mark here. And I think we could keep going for sure, especially once we enter the area of concussions and the potential for the rehab of concussions. But maybe we'll leave that for another day because I've seen uh, the thought technology um, um um, at work uh, in terms of helping our, our athletes understand what's going on and also the clinicians as well. So that's another fascinating and very, very important conversation is, you know, we're so passionate about brain health and recovery from concussions and brain injury in sport here. So, so much appreciated on that. Um, so Lawrence, here we are. Um, you know, we look at the timeline for thought technology. And again, everybody who's uh, interested in listening, go to thoughttechnology.com. There's tons of great information there. Um, I, I'm really excited about these new programs coming on board. I'm really uh, excited about uh, Bruno's um, um, uh, 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 smartphone app. Uh, many exciting things coming. And uh, for you personally, what's next? What, what does the future hold for, for, for Lawrence Klein? Well, <clears throat> the, the sky's the limit. Um, uh, we're, we're bringing out a whole line of eView that's emotional view, uh, products for your smartphone and, uh, uh, coming out with the iOS is very exciting and, uh, having these downloads available from the BFE.org uh, is also, we're, we're going to be, uh, uh, using the, uh, the, the website www.justdoitwithbiofeedback.com. Um, yes, it sounds like something else, but it's <laughs> it's with biofeedback. Justdoitwithbiofeedback.com. Yeah. You'll be able to get mind over muscle download there, along with the video, along with all of those pr wonderful programs from leading clinicians from medical major medical institutions. They really are inspiring. Uh, these these clinicians. Uh, have uh, uh, had enormous success with it and uh, we're very indebted to them. Yeah, no, great stuff. We'll look for that, Lawrence. Thank you so much for your time, your knowledge and all your sharing today. We'll look forward to uh, talking again very soon. Great, thanks so much. And there you have it, everybody. Lawrence Klein, co-founder of Thought Technology. What a great company, just pushing the boundaries. And again, the implications of their technology go well, well beyond sport, as we talked about there. Uh, if you want more information, go check them out, thoughttechnology.com. And there's some new exciting things coming. As Lawrence said, we'll keep you posted on all of that. All right. What an incredible way to wrap up our series on the brain game. Lawrence was one of the first people we contacted when we started investigating the series. And so very appropriate to have him on to wrap it all up. He was also incredibly instrumental in hooking us up with some of the incredible guests that we had on over the course of this series. So we not only have to thank him for coming on today, we also have to thank him for sharing his great list of contacts. And there's more to come. We're going to continue this conversation moving forward because let's face it, we've just scratched the surface. 
there is no doubt that the brain should be one of the top five now priorities when it comes to setting people up for success. We're going to work moving forward to decide exactly what that's going to look like and where the brain lies in those top priorities. Does it trump sleep? Right now, sleep is our number one priority. Could the brain actually be a higher priority than sleep? Right now, sleep is king in our world. But I do know that when I'm stressed out or edgy or my mood's not quite right, I don't sleep well. And I do know that some of the strategies I've used to improve my sleep are directly correlated with everything we've talked about in this series. Oh boy, we got some great things to come. There's no question about it. Right now, I'd like just to take a quick moment and thank some of the great people that came on and shared their expertise and knowledge. The series kicked off with crush favorite, Dr. Martin Mraz, a clinical neuropsychologist and professor at the University of Alberta. We had on Dr. Eric Pepper, president of the Biofeedback Federation of Europe and professor at San Francisco State University. And then we spoke with Dr. Ina Kazan, clinical psychologist at the Harvard Medical School and founder of the Boston Center for Health, Psychology and Biofeedback. And then we got into the technology side of things. We had a great conversation with Lucas Burgo, product manager at Thought Technology. He's in charge of their performance products there. It was a fantastic insight into the technology side of the brain game. And then we went to the mental side. Last week, we had a great conversation with another crush favorite, Bob Tewksbury, certified mental performance consultant. Bob pitched 18 years in Major League Baseball. And that combination of living that life and then going on to understand the craft of the mental side of sport performance, fantastic conversation. And of course, we wrapped up the series today with Lawrence Klein, co-founder of Thought Technology. And I also want to send out a very, very special thank you to Carol Myers. She's a general manager at the Biofeedback Federation of Europe. She has been instrumental in spreading the word about the series. So I want to thank her for all of the work she did, uh, press releases and emails and just getting the word out because let's face it, this conversation is incredibly important. So Carol, thank you so much. I also want to thank you, our listeners. A lot of the content that we had on this series came from your questions and your ideas. So those emails, those messages, those tweet direct messages are really, really helpful on our side. Again, this is a two-way street. Boy, we've got a great great relationship going. Our job is to, you know, help everybody think about things they might not think about. And your job is to keep us on track about what we actually need to think about. Because just like everybody else, it's so easy to get caught up in our little worlds. And when we can reach outside and tap into some of this great knowledge, it can get us thinking about things that we've never thought of before. And that could lead us down the path to the next level of performance. So fantastic stuff. I want to thank everybody once again. All right, coming up over the next couple of weeks on Crush Performance, we're switching gears. There's some incredible things happening on the front lines of the Crush War on Sugar. We've got new sugar guidelines coming down from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. In Mexico, there's actually states considering banning junk food sales to minors. Just blockbuster stuff for the Crush War on Sugar, and we're going to get into it all next week. A great conversation. We're going to have on Mr. Gary Tobbs, investigative science and health journalist. He's also an author and co-founder of the nonprofit Nutrition Science Institute. Gary's been a staple on a lot of the recent documentaries on health, obesity, and sugar consumption. And I can't wait for this conversation as we dive back into the crush war on sugar. And we'll continue that discussion with Crush all-time Hall of Famer, Dr. Andouise Allen, Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute 
as we dive into how sugar actually works in our bodies. How does it impact our brains and what is it doing to future performance? We're gonna talk about brain energetics. We're gonna talk about burn rates and how your body metabolizes and uses fuels and sugars. Man, fascinating stuff on the forefront. And again, going back to our brain game series, isn't it interesting that almost every one of our guests referred to at some point the importance of diet and even watching our sugar consumption for, for brain performance. We'll be sure to get into that with Dr. Allen as well. So that's it for our special series, The Brain Game. Go back, listen to the episodes, share it with your family, your friends, your teammates, your coworkers. Really, really great stuff. I gotta thank all of our guests again. I wanna thank you guys for tuning in. We've got some great shows coming up and we've got Halloween coming up. So get out there, be sure to have some fun, stay safe. And we'll talk to you next time right here on Crush Performance. Don't forget to ride. This is a sitting ringside with David Penzer Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest this week, please welcome Mark Chindrak. Triple H said that uh, the reason that they replaced you with Batista is because you were immature and dragging Randy down. At the time, what did you think of the decision? And in hindsight, what did you think? When I went over to OBW, I made a friendship with Rand Yorton. We just, we hung out all the time. And like eventually when they moved me up to the big show, you know, when I was traveling on the crew with WWE. Um, we traveled together, me and Orton. So it, it became one of these, almost like the natural born thriller thing. Like Batista was kind of supposed to be in it, but he kept getting injured. So it was my spot. And then basically what happened was it was just that, you know, it was just like we were immature. I was immature. You know, it, Orton was immature. We both were immature. We had a lot of fun on the road and, and a lot of people, Thought it was humorous. They loved our act. You know what I'm saying? We'd come to TV and just show off and goof off and stuff. And people loved it. But the one person that hated it, hated it, hated it, was Triple H. You know, if you could be a fly in the wall in some of those car rides, you know, like when they basically made the group and it was, we knew that the group was going to be Triple H, Ric Flair, myself, and Orton. Um, Triple H kind of wanted to get, have us driving together the whole loop. You know what I'm saying? get talking, you know, wrestling, you know, get forming as a group and stuff, you know, that's where you kind of got to get the, you know, the um, chemistry in the group is, you know, hanging out, talking and stuff. And, and to my knowledge, I thought we were, you know what I'm saying? Like, like Orton and I were having fun. Rick Flair is a ton of fun. I thought, the way, I thought the person, I thought the person that should get kicked out of the group was triple H. He was, a bore. <laughs> he was boring as shit, man. He was boring as shit. And we were really meshing, you know, like Triple H kept saying me and Rick thought he wasn't good for the group. Like it, it wasn't Rick. It was no Rick in any way, shape or form. It was all Triple H. He, these car rides, like I felt these car rides were exposing Triple H for being a bore. Sitting ringside with David Penzer can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts and RadioInfluence.com.